This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley. Joined, as always, returning from his absence last episode, uh, my longtime co-host and good pal, Kevin Gallagher. Kevin, how are we doing today? I am good, Kev. How are you? How'd your show go? I didn't get a chance to watch it. Right. Oh, uh, we had Mona Bailey on yeah. for episode 48, I believe. Yeah. This is 49. We're about to hit 50 episodes. Wow. We're about wow, to hit 50 episodes. big time, man. So this, I, it was a good When's time the, with, We're on 59 now? We're on, we're on oh, we 49 get, now. This we got 49, 49 now. Yeah, we got to get a big guest in. We got to find somebody big to do the 50th. We gotta we're we're looking, happen. you know, we're so if, yeah, if we'll any any to, uh, big yeah. any big guys in the jiu-jitsu world want to hit us up to come on the show for, for uh, number 50. You know that you know the way to do it. Hit the links in the in the description down below. Uh, just hit but us up. La- last episode we had Mona Bailey on, uh the 16-year-old competitor out of uh Texas who just beat <laughs> Nat Santoro. At, uh, Was that her? Wow, yeah. Yeah, the alopecia fighter, the bald strong yeah. uh jujitsu. She yeah. is like seeing that match, I watched it again after uh, before the interview and then after. Her guard is so stupid. Yeah. It it made me nervous watching it. And honestly, I was mad because like you're the buffer, man. I'm just right. a shrimpy little nobody. You're the big strong guy that makes me feel secure when we have these monsters on. And so I was, I was interviewing a, a dangerous, a dangerous alpha predator by myself, and I felt totally exposed. Luckily, luckily, it was through the magic of the internet, so we didn't have to, you didn't have to share a room with her to feel that. Oh, thank uh, gosh! Uh, the best thing that ever happened was the world shutting down, so we could yes. never meet any of these. We can never meet any of these people face to face. Any of these people, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I brought I brought up that you you and your mom you were taking care of your mom yeah uh, Mama yeah. Gallagher doing okay yeah oh yeah she's fine she's got some back problems I mean she's just getting old and she's close to eighty I think she's seventy nine now and she just can't get around so I got to take her between me and my sister we take her to her doctor's appointment she was supposed to get injections in her back and you know I mean she has legitimate problems but it's one of them pain management clinics that are just a complete you know people in there not necessarily a pill mill i'd say a step up from a pill mill but it's all pretty much the same thing people in there you know doctors just prescribing things to people that have pains for whatever reasons pain management's a a shady business so long long story short it took like it ridiculous it always takes forever it took like two hours like just sitting in some room because again there was no such thing as a waiting room so when you make the appointment they put you in individual room so i'm assuming rather than waiting in the waiting room for your appointment they kept you in your individual room and it was just whoa brutal miserable i was losing my mind and then at the end of it they didn't even do anything for it. they said oh you got to come back in two weeks so i was like oh sweet thanks i'll just make sure you do this again <laughs> oh, man. i mean it's it's great that us in the jiu-jitsu community have figured out that the only thing you need for pain man pain management is just a roll of tape yeah exactly. that's it just exactly. tape it. tape 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 <laughs> tape will get you to it I feel like my my coach Chris goes through about like 200 300 rolls of tape a, a month 
just because of how much tape he t- puts on his hands and his toes. Like he, he broke his toe, like first roll after quarantine because, <laughs> one, <laughs> because of course he would. That's what are you, are you guys rolling again? Are you guys, are you guys going full ball, ball up there? Are you guys out there? On the we are, before? we are very str- like, we have scheduled like, like sessions. It's right. all very above board. And like mm-hmm. you, you we're, we're not fully opened up yet, but right. like we're as open as we can be. Everyone's got to wear rash guards. Everyone's got to like drill with the same people, like distanced apart and whatnot. But uh, that's not too yeah. bad. So, so you guys will get up and set up in a small little group, keep yourself socially distanced. So you can still roll and drill with those people at the same time. Yeah. I mean, there's been like every gym has those stories of people that are just going to some guy's basement and training. Right. So like you right. can never be a hundred percent sure yeah. with anything. Like I know Florida is all no, like just, fuck wild. It's, it's, it's the ever- wild west. Yeah. I know a lot of places are, are beginning to talk about just fully ripping the bandaid off and going back just cause uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are starting to talk about canceling permanently, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're at a weird crossroads right now. Um, you know, at, at the one side, I'm, overly concerned just watching the numbers rise and concerned about what's going to happen all that but the other side i'm also like hey man like it is what it is we just got to get going with our lives here you know i don't i don't want to be another number but at the same time i want to realize hey this is going to be going on long enough and it doesn't seem like the world is falling yet you know maybe i'm being a denier in that regard but i don't know i just don't know i i just uh I mean, everyone at every level from single gym owners to like event promoters to competitors, they're all feeling different stages of the the burn in different uh, areas. All of it's ultimately going to hit our wallets. But, you know, I don't know what to, I don't know what you tell people who are really concerned about uh, a virus that to be infected. You know, I don't know what the the next solution is, you know, and I, I, I want to believe the narrative that it's only affecting older people and compromised people. But like, I don't know. I just don't know. I saw, I mean, I had a couple of friends of mine that died that are in their forties that, that weren't really, you know, immune compromised, not a couple, but one or two, but it just, again, I just don't, I think the, 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 what are you, the, the, the incredibly dubious part of this entire virus is the fact that it only seriously affects like two percent of the people that it that it that it, uh, that catch it, and that number is very deceptive simply because it infects quite a large number of people because the infection rate is very very high. So the idea that like if you know we were dropping like flies when someone caught it, then everyone would be like, hell no, I don't want to catch this shit because I don't want to die. But because it's not that effective and it doesn't affect that many people, people are like, oh, cool, I'm fine. What do I have to worry about? But it still runs with the same analogy as the one I always use. Like if it's only killing one, two percent of the people, imagine you have a bottle of pills with 100 pills in it. Like you could take 99 of them or 98 of them and not have any problems. and It'll give you like whatever, like a great day or whatever the hell the pill is supposed to do for you. You know what I'm talking about? But, it'll, make your, it'll make your guard right. so good. Paul. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but if you take – the one or two that'll kill you, you're going to die, you know? And, and because we're not seeing a mass amount of harmful side effects, people are considering that, but not that big of a deal. But as the numbers start to rise, statistically, it should can stay consistent and blah, 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 but whatever. Who the fuck knows anymore? I don't, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. I'm not a doctor. I don't care. 
I mean, <laughs> uh, well, just before we get into uh, jujitsu news and, yeah. and very brief life news that I, I kind of touched on last episode, your boys engaged. Oh yeah, so that's right. That's, congrats, that's some man. good stuff that's happening. Congrats, uh, man! I get to, I get to wear a fancy suit and come up there and see you in jersey. Kevin, I, I mean, like, I'm I'm glad you said yes to be a, a groomsman, just because right now it's looking like. And I, I feel like I'm looking at my my groomsmen and best men like a UFC card. It's it's stacked. <laughs> it's stacked. Like stacked it's, it's various like <laughs> ne'er do wells and killers. Like <laughs> ne'er do wells. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No. That's that's probably what I'm going to be calling all of you. And I, your job is just to to keep me alive. I will definitely be up there, <laughs> and I will be up there for the long haul. Believe me. One, I, I might not know much about weddings, but I do know a thing or two about bachelor parties. So we will, uh, oh, <laughs> we we will throw it down. I'm trying um, to convince. I'm trying to convince Sherb that like we have maybe a little mat at the wet at the reception. Just like because I'm like I'm thinking I'm looking at the west. I'm like there's going to be enough jujitsu people at this thing where we can probably it's, get. It's up to you, Kev. Some... <laughs> it's up to you, Kev. But I and, and again, this is from someone from experience. I think that is an idea that sounds much better on paper than it does in reality and application. And I and I, I just I think I think you're better than that cliche. And I'll just leave it at that. Oh come on! That's like, I don't know. I'm not though. I'm. I, I got it. Here's the thing: like you see those cute videos of like the the husband and wife that both do jujitsu, and they and do they like their- instead of the first dance, they do like hip throws and like right. guard pulls and shit. And yeah. I'm like, Sherb doesn't do jujitsu, uh, but she's very supportive of it. She's like jujitsu ad- adjacent. And I'm like, hey, listen, I like you, that. You got to give me this little area because you see, honey, I'm going to have a lot of savages at this party. <laughs> and I feel like if I don't give them an area like a pig pen to sort of quarter off you in. Can, that would be <laughs> cool. You could set up like a little groomsman area, which would be pretty cool. Groomsman area. In the, right before right before I do the – I walk to the uh, – down the aisle i'll just be doing like i'll be warming up like i'm fighting like i'll be there'll be a mat in the in the groomsman room that, that would be good that would be i'll true. be doing collar chokes with the tuxedo all right, all right so are we going with ruffles for the tuxedos or no ruffles we, i'm trying no i'm gonna go like we're back. going we're going like ranked cummerbunds like, like those like those oh, those like God. belt things that go along your belly <laughs> i like that I, yeah i know what a cummerbund is son of hell yeah. i'm talking to the viewers because <laughs> a lot of viewers. people are unaware that's of how good, great good these point. things are it's a good point and i feel like that's a, as much personal bs that kit will tolerate on this episode because <laughs> he's actually like he's been uh, everyone's been watching them and they're yeah. very supportive of yeah everything dude I, I still can't believe we're gonna hit 50 that's, that's amazing that is that is yeah. crazy that's, that's crazy 50 shows is a lot of shows I mean, we've been yeah. going for for has it been a year yet it's it's uh it's gonna be a year in october or november i think yeah so we just been, remember we started been right about the end of the year We've been cranking them out really yeah. tight. Kit, so. Kit made the made the introduction. It's funny. Has he ever? Has, he said, "I got a brief, like one sentence, congratulations or one sentence word of approval from him," and it was like the most powerful moment of I think of, of approval I think I've ever had because Kit just doesn't. He's very, uh, very vanilla. Very merry man behind the scenes. He doesn't. Really, he is. Uh, he is a man of like few words. Very few when, words. When he exactly. tells you good job, it's yeah, like it oh, carries shit. a lot of power to it. Yeah, no, like because he's not. He's not one to screw around on that. Like, yeah, he's, he's very. If he tells you good, it means that what you're yes. doing is solid. Yes. And I, but I've been there. It's it's like 
you gotta you gotta read it right, you know. <laughs> so Avery is much more like well, all caps, amazing. like super super good. And I don't uh, I don't think there's too many people in the world of jujitsu that more like promoters and jujitsu practitioners have a, a serious man crush on than Avery. I mean, I I mean every 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 promoter I see is tagging her in all their posts. <laughs> She's getting all the well. All I mean, the, it's, it's not it's not even that. It's just there's so few like just genuinely likable people like yes. above like uh, like across the spectrum. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna just make this a jujitsu times pat on the back. We got news yeah. to talk about, but I think a moment to sort of think about you know hitting fifty. You know, I feel right. like we we deserve that. Oh, for sure. If nothing else, you know, we've been, we've been really, we, we've been grinding this stuff. And also I wanted to take a moment to thank everybody out there who's been subscribing to the channel. We just hit 10,000 subscribers, That's which it, is, man. which is a really great, uh, like milestone to sort of like pause at and think about, you know, obviously we want to blow way past that, but you know, hitting, hitting, that's a big thing. You know, a lot well, of people never particularly, get there. Particularly in a community that's uh, nuanced or niche as uh, the jiu-jitsu community is. It's not like we're promoting to a couple hundred thousand or a couple million people, you know, a couple, you know, 10, 20 million people where we've got maybe a hundred thousand. I don't even know what the numbers are. I'm just guessing a hundred thousand. Oh, I think there's million. And it, well, jiu -jitsu, you think so? Jiu-jitsu, I'd say there's like Yeah, million. I guess okay. we are dealing with worldwide too. I, I don't I I mean yeah. it, sport keeps growing every I'm trying to do the numbers. Yeah, and listen, here. I know we we do we're trying to branch out and we're doing a lot of stuff on the channel and we're only gonna add more things as time goes on. But uh to those of you that are are here and are taking the time to listen to us, the Kevins, the Kevins. Uh, talk about news, break down stuff and and interview guests, uh I think we would both like to just say thank you. You know, it means a lot that anyone gives a crap about anything we have to say and and if the fact that thanks to you guys we have a platform by which we can talk to a ton of really amazing people exactly. you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna listen i listen to that roxanne Modafari interview maybe once a week just because <laughs> i'm like she's one of my favorite fighters of all time we should try to get her back on again for a re for a return she got i mean for her. i think she seemed like she was fun she thinks like she'd be all about she's it. roxy is the most fun and we are i'm yeah. definitely gonna try and get her on the show again because it is a miracle we got her on once so, yeah you know exactly like, get, get lightning to strike twice but we gotta uh, think about that 50th show we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that off we'll air. talk about that we'll out off, off air but yeah it's, it, it crept up on us right it, it was did, just yeah. gonna come and pass without me saying there it anything, is there so. it is yeah before that i just wanted to say you know thank you guys here's to a, a two billion more episodes three seasons and a movie three seasons um, and a movie three seasons and a movie baby uh <laughs> kevin gallagher <laughs> will be played by uh hugh jackman I and like that. uh I like that who's, who's gonna be me i feel like i feel like elijah wood would probably play me well oh, I'm not no. a, you're, you're, i'm not I'll a very you, tall guy but i'll give you a gosling i'll give you a gosling well shit man that makes me feel good yeah i'll give you a gosling i think tall. i think i think we could work that in there hell yeah <laughs> i feel like yeah We'll, we'll better, make it happen. You're better Kid. than Elijah Wood. Maybe a maybe a Shia LaBeau. Hey, hey, hey! Let, let's Shia just would let's, work. let's pause for a second. Elijah <laughs> Wood saved Middle Earth. All right, and that was a rough gig. He, he carried that ring for a long he time. That for a long time. Yeah, man. Even uh, even uh, even even Gus told him he could. Nobody else could do it. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that that's enough uh, sentimentality, you know. But we just it, it's important to really talk to you guys directly every now and again. But. We do have some huge news 
in the MMA and jujitsu world that I think it would be prudent of us to go over. And that is oh, yeah, our boy, that, one of the one of the the goats, the greatest of all time, Buchecha, uh, has decided to fully commit himself to MMA. And not only that, he has announced he is signed with one championship, uh, the biggest MMA pr- promotion in Asia, based out of Singapore. Famously signed Gary Tonin and a lot of huge UFC exports like Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, uh, you know, Sage Northcutt, just Tom to name Black. a few. Yeah, Tom DeBloss also announced that he's fighting under them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's been any movement with his fight, but he did announce it. And it seems like his the Henzo Gracie relationship. Henzo Gracie famously had his uh, last most recent fight with one. Um, yeah, what like what do you think? What were you thinking when you heard about? This this little tidbit of news. I mean, it just follows along with you know the progression of jujitsu athletes in general. Is this you know as much as we'd like to believe that professional jujitsu is a um, is a is a marketplace that they can really make a living at? They can, and some of the very few can. But the real money is in transferring over to MMA. I mean, just like Jacare. Jacare was you know arguably, and again, he comes from a different era, but. Jacare was at the time probably one of the, the biggest stars of jiu-jitsu in the world. He couldn't make a living doing it, so he started to do MMA. It just seems like a lot of these guys are making that progression on. And, you know, Bichetcha, shit, man. Bichetcha's the man. You know, he's his, his, he's probably – I mean, he, he has a game that works towards the MMA world better than, you know, some others do. He kind of has a Lovato-type game where his pressure – I mean, you know, he's, he's definitely he's a good wrestler. He's a pressure guy. He's going to be able to take people down to the ground, particularly big guys, which is difficult at the heavyweight level. You yeah. Know, and then once he gets on top, it's, you know, if Chechik gets you on the ground and your jiu-jitsu isn't world-class, you're in trouble. I was thinking this is probably the most interesting jiu-jitsu to MMA crossover that we've yet seen just because there are factors that open up at heavyweight that – that don't exist in some of the lower weight classes that we've seen a lot of the big names uh, migrate into. And that's the, the, the primarily primary one being like knockout power. Yeah, exactly. You know, just like the, the each, each hit is right. hitting so hard and, and so every much. One of, every one of these guys, when you're that size, even if you, even if you're marginal at striking has the capacity to be a knockout puncher. And the the puncher's chance is already a thing at all levels. Right, you know, exactly. anyone at any weight can throw a punch and just hit it just right, and then you're down. You know, and I feel like I'm interested to know he's. Uh, I think he's training under Evolve MMA. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Evolve MMA in Singapore is where he's going to be doing his camp. I don't know where he's based. Uh, elsewhere or like who else he's working with in terms of getting himself ready. But I think it's interesting that we like, I think we could go back to one of the first episodes we ever did where we went over like the BMF title and that, uh, that whole night of cards. And that's that jujitsu doesn't always work. Right. And uh, it was a uh, Derek Lewis and a, a Sambo practitioner, like a, a champion, I be- a former champion in Sambo, I believe right. where they were fighting and he repeatedly took him down, established right. solid top game, like great positions, locked up like Kamora, Americanas, Kamoras. Yeah. And 
there was just moments where little holes opened up and right. Derek Lewis being such a physical guy with such mass and strength was able to just stand up and ended up winning the fight. Now, I think comparing Bucecha to to a lesser, you know, Sambo guy is definitely not fair. But I thought I would want to ask you as as an experienced black belt what kind of strength do you think is going to open up at heavyweight for BJJ? I mean, you know, obviously. The thing, and again, this is the hardest part. And I think that finding heavyweights that can successfully take another heavyweight down are 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 hard to come by. So in other words, if you find a heavyweight, that's why I believe that as you go up a little bit higher, I even think that as you go up higher, wrestling is so much more important. And and I, maybe I maybe I'm over exaggerating. Just having any particular skill set when you weigh 230 pounds, which is world class, is a commodity. You know, it's very rare. That's why there's they always say that in the UFC. The the most uh, the the hardest fighters to find, they're the ones they're always looking for are heavyweights and the super small guys because there's just not a lot of them. So if you're a heavyweight, it's one of your quickest ways to get to get to the UFC or get to the next level. Um, but I, I believe that being able to just take down a skilled heavyweight fighter that's skilled enough to fight on a one championship or, or, or a UFC championship is a very legitimate skill. And there's no doubt in my mind that Bucecha doesn't have the takedown ability to take down any heavyweight in the world. I just, I just I don't think there's anyone out there that can handle him, his aggression, his speed and power and ability to take someone down. The question is, can he do that without getting punched in the face and get rocked? Um, I think he's going to be able to do that. I think, obviously, one uh, fighting has a history of, I don't want to say padding records for guys, but making sure that guys in the beginning stages get – the nods to help them get their record going because you know one is bringing Pachecha on for a reason. It's not like they just brought him on because hey, it's Pachecha. Let's throw him to the wolves. They want to start making their brand after him, and they're doing a pretty good job of that. So, you know, in the beginning stages, I imagine Pachecha is going to get some. I don't want to say soup cans, but maybe less than less than uh, stellar opponents to go out there and prove the world how great he is. And then as that goes up, he'll get better opponents. But one's amazing. Like they're doing a great job. They really are. They have a great understanding of how to capitalize on the market that sometimes loses faith in the UFC. And I'm talking about the old seasoned, um, you know, hardcore fight fans that are actually intelligent fight fans that train, that see a lot of the shenanigans in the UFC and a lot of the nonsense in the UFC and sometimes get turned off by that. So what do they do? They go after these big names, particularly from the grappling world. Because hardcore fans that train normally grapple, so they're fans of Pachecha, they're fans of Dylan Dennis, they're fans of Gordon, Gary Tonin, and eventually Gordon Ryan, I believe. So now they're bringing those people to view in to to one championships, and they're doing a good job of that. It does feel like Bellator and one and some of the other promotions out there have been more willing to capitalize on specifically the jujitsu and submission grappling scene for, for talent. I feel like the last super major grappling focused uh, import to the UFC, like that was just widely known before he entered the UFC was like Kron, you know, and I don't think they like, I think he fought Alex Caceres, his first fight. And I, I, I know he won, 
Uh, and like they weren't like then his next fight after that was Cub Swanson. So it's not right. like they're interested in just padding out his resume so that they're building a champion. The UFC doesn't really need to do that in, in the same way that other uh, other promotions might feel the need to. What but, happened with Crom, by the way? He quit fighting or something? I, I, I haven't seen no, he – well, he I mean he, he lost to Cub and then um, – I'm just not aware of what he's like. I, I haven't yeah. really been following. There was up nothing with this. after that. It was just it's just weird to see him fall off the map like that. I know he wasn't happy about the loss to, to Cub, but it was just been it was watching his fight with Cub was so very uninspiring. I, I was at that fight. It was in Tampa. Uh, oh Matt yeah, Favola fought on that card, and we had a whole crew there. I watched it live, and it was so uninspiring to watch. It was so just ridiculously, you know pulling guard and then when he pulled guard not really doing a whole lot and just it was just and he thought he won and everyone in the world was like no dude you didn't win it was cute but you didn't win Karan. i i did remember definitely feeling that that was the right decision that cub yeah. was more active you know and my memory yeah. it, it's oh. it's it's shocking that outside of pulling guard my memory of the match is pretty hazy like yeah just- he cron tried to stand with cub grace with cub swanson and just got mutilated well, that's not gonna feet. yeah that's he not just, gonna work <laughs> it wasn't even it wasn't even cute like he got picked apart and then he didn't even try to wrestle with him it was just a weird 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 display but back back to one i think we, we, you talked about how bellator and some of the other organizations try to capitalize on those grapplers i i think that the thing that separates one championship from the rest of them is that they um they they their mission statement is you know we're a no frills no bullshit fighting organization we want talent and we want the talent to be on display as opposed to the personalities of the fighters no gimmicks no bullshit and i think that a lot of times bellator and the ufc the ufc's gotten better about it but bellator obviously is all about putting on a show and 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 and, and they're almost over the top they almost i mean like look at every up. look at every fight uh dylan danis has had so yeah. far it's been right. against you know and the, the, i am not trying to knock dylan dennis right now i think he is a a phenomenally talented athlete you know he is he's a very impressive grappler you don't get a black belt from marcelo garcia and you, you're not good oh no Dylan's he's consistently really he's good. consistently fighting the best of the best and like yes yeah, some of the things he does are definitely cringy i think he's trying to ape the connor gimmick you know and it's just it comes off terribly like it usually does but the the guy's got talent and i he's able he was able to pull guard successfully into a toehold in his first match i i think he's got solid skills he looked real not really good standing up but i i think there's it's not his fault necessarily it's not i don't think it's all his fault who he's fighting but when you compare it to the people that, you know, Gary was facing, I, I, I don't really remember much about his first fight other than he looked fairly decent on his feet. He wasn't trying to just bring the game to the ground the entire time. I, I do remember feeling that there was a, def, a different level of the competition across the board at one. Yeah. Um, I think that um, definitely – you know, it's 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 not necessarily about who has the most talent. 
I think it's more about the presentation of the game and the presentation of the fights and what the mission statement of each organization is and where they lie and how they try to present themselves to the fans. And, you know, I don't think it's, it's unquestionable that the talent pool of one in Bellator is not as high as the UFC and anyone that wants to change that point of view is just lying to themselves like Pachecha, you know, I'm sure one paid him tons and tons of money to go over there and fight and he's doing it for the money, but he's just not going to be going against the same amount of talent, the same level of talent that the UFC, the UFC is still going to be on the top dog. And even the world champion of one, wants to fight the UFC because he knows he's not really the champ unless he wins the championship in the UFC. I mean, look at look at what happened to Ben Askren in his first match. You know, he went from dominating fairly hand over fist in his right. entire career. And you could say that that's due to wear and tear and a lot of injury, chronic injuries. But his first match against, like, real competition Robbie Lawler, and Robbie right. Lawler yeah. there was a lot of people that thought that should have been stopped in yes. 3.2 yeah. seconds when Robbie dropped him on his head. Yeah, and he showed incredible he showed so much heart in staying in that. Like yeah. that it was incredible that the fact that he was able to withstand that onslaught. You know, and even and then attempt the choke the way he did. And I'm not gonna get into if he if it, he tapped or not. I I'm not a professional in that way. But you definitely got the sense that okay, this is not what we thought it was gonna be. We gave away we gave away Demetrius Johnson. And a right. bunch of other talent, and a, for right? This guy. <laughs> yeah, and a player to be named later. But I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I really believe that it was still a good trade. I mean, if you really want to talk about the numbers and 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 the revenue that was generated out of it, no one really gave as much as Demetrius Johnson was dominating force in the UFC at the time. No one really gave a shit about Demetrius Johnson. It's a sad thing, and maybe it's a reflection of us as a society, but. <laughs> like Demetrius Johnson just was not bringing in the top dollar. Henry Cejudo made himself into this thing that he is so that maybe now he's able to, 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 to make that division more, more exciting, but he just didn't do it. So when you talk about Ben Askren coming over, like there was buzz, you know, even the two fights that Ben Askren had were probably more profitable than four fights of Demetrius Johnson's for the organization. And they build it more, more, more hype. Real quick, you met Cejudo, right? Yeah, you I met did. him once. I what, did. what was I he like? That story. I didn't <laughs> tell you that story. I told that I did an interview with uh, with uh, Mark Charles. Sorry, I'm getting texts. I'm being rude. I did an interview with Mark Charles. Remember, Mark, we had Mark Charles in front of the show. He has his radio yeah. station and radio animal, a UFC animal, MMA animal, or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he, he had me on as a guest, and I told the story about meeting Cejudo, and it was it's a pretty funny story, man. So like, I was on vacation in Sarasota, and I was just kind of minding my own business. I go down there every year to 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 see us to Siesta Key, Saint Armand Circle, nice little area down there, and, and hang out for the week at a timeshare my parents have had for shit as long as I can remember. I think when Gordon Ryan was actually in. Florida. I think he went to the same exact beach that I go hang out at. I just wasn't there at the same time. I missed it by a lot of week. Anyway, so I was on my vacation and we got, I was with my girl at the time and we were up walking around St. Armand Circle getting some pizza and there's like little shops and stuff. It's like kind of a high-end area. We went to go get ice cream. And as I'm walking up to get ice cream, you know, I'm minding my own business. I look over in a little bench and I'm looking at myself and I think to myself, holy shit, like that's Henry Cejudo. And like you know, it wasn't like there was a big crowd around him. It wasn't like he was getting all blah, blah, blah. But I'm walking around and thinking to myself, oh, shit, man, that's Henry Cejudo. And I'm like, hey, dude, 
awesome. Hey, champ, man, I'm a huge fan of you. It's super nice to meet you. You're like, real cool. It's like, hey, you know, when you get a minute, I would love to take a picture with you if you don't mind. And he was like, you know, pretty cool, but also a little bit, you know, weirded out. And I was like, you know, whatever, dude. I'm not trying to fucking blow your scene up here, man. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was a crowd of people like, hanging around. Like, that. let's be honest, Henry. Like, you're a big deal, but you ain't that big of a deal, brother. You know what I mean? Like, Whoa. Like, I mean, hey, hey, you know, hey. I mean, no, it's cool. I get it. You know, it wasn't like it's it's freaking, uh, uh, I don't know, like Hugh Jackman or freaking somebody walking around or some big movie star or whatever. Or freaking. Anyway, Tom Brady. But anyway, it was cool. I'm saying this with a point because it was kind of an odd meeting. So he got and I'm also nuts. So it's probably more just me being crazy. But so we get up, we take the picture, and after we like he gets up, he takes a picture with me. And afterwards, I, I'm kind of like, hey, you know, man, just I'm a black, you know, as we're taking a picture, I told him, you know, I'm a black belt. I train jujitsu, you know, I, we've got a couple of USC fighters that train with us, and you know, we I coach them, whatever. Just not necessarily trying to fucking brag you, you, you were essentially going like hey dude i i can hang no like, not I'm even not, so much I'm i can hang guy. <laughs> the, the point i'm trying to make is, is i've met plenty of ufc fighters you know i've met plenty of guys that are big ufc guys you know what i'm talking about and like i know what it's like to be someone that's like oh hey you're the best and some just to say hey and normally when i say those things to one of them they are cool enough to at least accept the fact that i'm not some super fan that i am at least you know talking to them from a place of recognition and i get somewhat of a respectful nod in that regard and again like i'm not trying to fucking hold this guy's hand and hang out with him like i just want to take a picture and just talk a little bit for, for a second while i'm waiting in line to go get my ice cream so his little buddy he's sitting with starts chirping it's the guy that owns the gym and like that owns the gym he trains at. And I forget his name, but he's actually kind of a big deal. But not the he's just some little fat dude. So um he looks over at me and he's like, Oh, so you are you an Olympic champion? Are you this and that? I'm like, No, dude, I'm not. Like, I'm not even trying to say that. Like, I've given the guy tons of respect and, and admiration. It was just a whole weird scenario because like me and Suhudo had our thing, and I was kind of weirded out by him being a dick, but whatever. Like I said, I'm kind of crazy, maybe overacted, but it seemed like it was a little bit, a little bit off. So I let it go. And then as I'm letting it go, like his buddy sitting on the bench starts chiming in. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, here's the deal, man. Like I will give the Olympic gold medalist his due and take a fucking down shot <laughs> from him. But I sure as shit <laughs> ain't taking it from like his little jock, jock sniffer boyfriend that's sitting on the corner that's hanging out with him. So like, Again, though, I, I remained cool. I kind of let it go. And I kind of looked at him and said, yeah, you know, man, like, it's cool. Don't worry about it, buddy. Like, I'm sorry, Henry, for bothering you. It's all right. We can move on another day. It was just – it was a weird thing. And then he hit on my girlfriend. It was just even better. Like, we're waiting in line. And my girl has this, like, ridiculously, like, dyed hair. Like, she likes to dye her hair. But it's just funny. It looks it, – it looks – obviously not real like it was like neon red right <laughs> so i'm standing in line and as i've forgotten about everything like about three four minutes later henry cejudo looks over at my girl and says hey your hair is super pretty is that your natural color and of course she goes absolutely and i'm like this. <laughs> there's no way now that's your color anyway whatever it oh was just an God. odd night and i know that story was supposed to be funnier than what it came out but that was the time that no but that, that actually that speaks to i oh boy that's that speaks to a lot just because when you think about who henry is and what he's done right on paper it's very impressive but what what does it mean to win that much that young 
it yeah. means you don't develop the same way that everyone else does. You know, like he's got different priorities. He does not give a shit about 80, like 80% of the stuff that I give a shit about. And the 20% that we both give a shit about is like food, water, nutrients, and like the stuff that our body needs to continue to survive on this planet. Right. You know, he is. And like he, when he retired, he retired as potentially one of the most successful combat sports athletes. I think in he history. is. I think he's top five. He's yeah, the greatest combat athletes of all time. Gold medal. You do US not. Champion, you don't win a gold medal. You don't win a gold medal. You do not win two divisions right. at this at simultaneously. Even if it like the way he did it was uh, no, he didn't even really. He defended both. I think he did it the exact way you you should do it. The way that I Connor heard, didn't do it. I heard some chatter that he was uh I mean beat beat fucking uh what's his name? Uh Demetrius. No, Demetri Johnson. No, the other guy, Diaz. Uh, uh not Diaz, uh the, uh, the, the uh, commentator. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, I can't think of his name. It's gonna be crazy. No, right no, 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 Ten greatest fighters of all time. I mean, you know, to me, top twenty-five at least. You know, you put Dominic Cruz on a top ten list, easy. You know what I mean? You put Demetrius Johnson on a top ten list, all time, pound for pound. You know, he's beat both. You know, so like that's something to be said. But I also heard some chatter that he's talking about maybe going back to for another run at the gold medal in in, in, in the Olympics. He's still young. I don't think he's thirty yet. I think he's like 27, 28. He can still get yeah. Done. But okay, so before I want to move on to the to the yeah, second yeah. story I wanted to talk about, but real quick, just because we talked about money behind Buchecha leaving jujitsu, uh, going into MMA, the money there is is a lot more solid, especially on whatever contract he probably signed. What? What as, as someone that's on the inside, what can those tip of the spear dudes like the, the Galvao's, the Ryan's, the Buchechas, the the Peñas, the guys at the absolute pinnacle of jujitsu? What what do you think they're pulling just from competition? You know, man, to say I'm on the inside of that discussion is a bit of an overshot. I mean, I have a brief understanding of what you know, they can make and what their possibilities of making money are. But it just seems odd to me for a few reasons. Like I, it seems odd to me. And again, Galval probably has enough money. He just doesn't give a shit. He, he's made tons of money. You know, uh, the, I think what happens when you start talking about guys like Puchecha, you start talking about guys like Felipe Pena that are, that are more old school grappling guys, gi guys, guys that have been grappling on the circuit for a long time, traditional grapplers, I think you start talking about a lot of like the the guys from the United Arabs and and, and, and and Arabs and overseas and Middle Easterners that just pay these guys obscene amounts of money to come do seminars or to to come teach at their at their academies or to go do you know different events overseas because I imagine that you know I don't know the numbers but I'm imagining you know Wagner I talked to Wagner quite a bit about. Uh, when we've had him on a bunch of times on the show, and you know, Vadir's not necessarily a tip of the spear, but he's pretty close, pretty high up there. You know, and he's saying he's making a pretty good living just doing jujitsu matches, like he's doing all right, just doing jujitsu matches. So, if if that's the case, like I don't understand why and that's not really answering your question. I'm guessing maybe low, low five digits, you know, 10 grand for a headline. I imagine maybe. Maybe Cyborg made 10, 15 grand for his fight this weekend. You know what I mean? Like 
the the big headliners were making maybe twenty to ten grand. I don't know, I think Gordon's probably getting fifteen, twenty grand. But again, I shouldn't speculate on that because I don't know. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to get blown out, not in case any fuckers are watching this, but I don't want to get blown on the water with that. Well then, but, then real quick, how does that yeah. compare to like base MMA pay? Oh yeah. Man, I mean, so again, we're talking about two different scenarios here. We're not talking so a guy like Pachecha, they're gonna throw the world at him. Because not only is he, you know, he has a name, he has a following. You know, he he's going to bring clout and respectability to their business. And we're talking about one championship who has, you know, they have bottomless pockets, they have tons and tons of money to spend on fighters. So I mean, I'm I'm guessing, you know, and I'm I'm imagining that they probably gave him a couple hundred grand. You know what I mean for a for a exclusive ten fight deal or five six fight deal. I don't know how much they get him dug in. I don't think I would let any fighter go longer than five fights. But if you're going to guarantee them 200 grand, you know, 250 grand over the course of a 10 fight spring, that's not bad. You know, that's pretty good money. You're guaranteed 10 fights for 250 grand over a two year period. You know, that's pretty good. That got pretty goddamn good money. And it might even be more money and less fights. I'm speculating on that. So again, if you're just someone that doesn't necessarily have a name, like I don't think that Felipe Pena would necessarily be able to pull that much. And I don't think Alval has any concerns or he already tried MMA. He didn't do too hot with it, but you know, it makes me wonder why guys like Felipe Pena and Galval aren't on these one championships or these, they're not one championships. These, you know, uh, third course grapplings and who's number one type events more because I could, man, they could probably make, I mean, 20 grand is 20 grand, bro. For a weekend. I mean, it's it's very interesting. It's always interesting when we see different exports from different sports. You know, there are people. There are still people that are really angling for like Jordan Burroughs, the Olympic medalist uh, wrestling phenom, to go take it, take a crack at the UFC. See how many people we can blast double into the stratosphere. And I'm always that guy. Look at we got we got Cejudo as a as a cross sport transplant into MMA. I think he, well, I mean, one of the reasons Cejudo backed out was because he wasn't making enough money, though. I mean, he actually said it. Hey, you know, I mean, all these fighters are saying that, but Cejudo was like, man, it's just not worth it anymore. I don't need this anymore. I've already accomplished everything I need to accomplish. I don't need to fight anymore. I don't need to get my brains beat in. And, and same thing with Askren. Askren could have fought two, three more times. He's like, screw it. Like, I can make a living doing other things. I don't need to be a fighter to make a living. You know what I mean? I did it to try to make it to the top, and now I don't want to have to sit back and have to climb that ladder again and go through all these wars anymore. You know, and Cejudo's like, hey, dude, I'm on top of the world. I don't care. I've already accomplished everything I need to accomplish to say that I'm one of the greatest combat athletics, combat, you know, athletes of all time. Why do I need to keep getting my brains beat in for? But so the point is this is like if you're just some up and comer, like it's you know, go out there and get your name in the ring and 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 go out there and make that money in MMA. But if if you're not, man, you know. I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> no, but that's like, that's, I think it's just, it's risk versus reward. Yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of these athletes from other sports that are, <clears throat> if you're already involved in a sport like jujitsu, even though the margins are so razor thin, you, you could make a name for yourself and then go into like running a school. You know, right. there's different avenues for you. You might be comfortable with that level of risk versus reward because there is risk. There's a ton of risk of bodily harm in jujitsu. You know, you could land wrong. You could hold on. You could hold out for a heel hook longer than you should. Any joint lock longer than you should. Break limbs, like knock yourself unconscious, or like like be choked unconscious. 
there are people that might not be comfortable going past that. And I think that's totally fine just because they might look at this as an acceptable parameter of risk to the body compared to the reward that you get. And until pay scales change, you know, we're not really going to see anything else. I think there's a bigger potential for pay change in MMA just because the interest is a lot bigger than in, in a sport like jujitsu currently, but we don't know, you know, we're, we're always seeing changes from promoters and people trying to bring the sport forward. So I just just feel that, um, I just feel that it's, um, that it's, uh, professional jujitsu is just, I just don't know, man. I keep, I I think we've gotten to the point and I go back to what Avery kind of said when I talk about, because I always thought about, we have to find a a version of jujitsu that can break through the mainstream. I just don't see it happening anymore. And the unfortunate side effect is that is I just, as much as I love these who's number ones and all these things like that, unless they can figure out a way to make it cost effective, like they're just not going to be able to continue to do that. And the only way to make it cost effective is to have, a breakthrough audience where you're talking to more. I just don't know. I mean, I don't know how much people are making off flow grappling. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of things are, are necessary. Or a lot of things are in need of potentially reevaluating and changing, excuse me, across both sports. And one that we've discussed very frequently in jujitsu terms is, you know, officiating, judging rule sets. You know, you've acted as a ref many, many times you're very experienced with that rule set. There was recently a very unfortunate event at uh, UFC uh, UFC Fight Night at uh, in Abu Dhabi, where uh, there was a controversial stoppage on Herb Dean's part. Oh, yeah. It led to a uh, verbal altercation with Dan Hardy at ringside. I'm just going to bring up the story. And so basically, there was a there was a shot. Fighter gets rocked. Uh, according to Hardy, the fight was stopped late. Uh, how much of this story are you familiar with? Yeah, I'm familiar with the story. I, to be honest with you, I forgot to go back and watch the clip because I wasn't watching the fights last weekend as much as I really wanted to go back and watch it again just so I could see it. And I'm mad that I didn't now because I'd like to talk about it. Um, but from what I heard, there was a, a verbal altercation after the fight as Herb Dean was leaving the cage to go backstage between Dan Hardy, who is a uh, commentator, everyone has started hearing, he was yeah. commentating fights between Herb Dean and, and, uh, and Dan Hardy because of a late stoppage. Well, actually, um, it's, it had started happening during the fight just because the first were the first person, according to Dan Hardy's, or sorry, according to Herb Dean's video response to this controversy, the first voice he really heard saying stop the fight was Hardy's. And he initially thought because of the lack of sound pollution, uh, because of the no, uh, the non-crowd at the event, <clears throat> he thought it might be the corner. And so, but he, he acted completely on what was in front of him at the time. Uh, I think we can play. I think we can play it real quick. Oh, here. yeah. We don't get it taken down. Yeah, but you oh, see, yeah. there's a, there's a pause and ju- there's del- uh, a clear so, delay. Yeah, no, I mean, I watch. So just watching that now, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, like, I think Dan Hardy like is overreacting on that, and I love Dan Hardy, but it, when I heard, I read a pretty interesting um, exchange about that article about talking about Dan Hardy. They kind of, they kind of. Uh, 
compare Dan Hardy to Teddy Atlas, who was also a very passionate boxing commentator. You know, the fucking boxing, the fight guys, they get hit in the head a lot. They get a little crazy. You know what I mean? So, like, in an impassioned state, he chastised Herb Dean because he truly believed that the fight should have been stopped after the first knockdown. Watching that again, like, I kind of side with Herb Dean. Like, the guy gets knocked down. He was probably still coherent. I mean, Herb Dean's got a better view than anybody. He's standing right over him, looking at him. You know, the guy, Herb hadn't stopped the fight yet. He's waiting for the other fighter to jump on top to continue. It wasn't like he got knocked out and just went limp. You know, when you get knocked out, you get hit in the chin. And, you you know, you've seen it. Their legs buckle underneath. The guys blow their knees out. The whole body just goes limp. And in particular, one of the ones you see is like the head hits the ground and you get, you know, you get hit. And as you go limp, you come down, your head hits the ground again as you go back. That's not what happened. The guy got hit and he kind of went up and covered his head and brought his knee up to protect himself. Whereupon Herb was like, hey, like I didn't stop this fight, dude. Come in and, and finish this fight. Because if this dude on the bottom now decides to stand back up again, no one says anything about it. And Herb saw that opportunity. And again, it wasn't like he let the guy come on top and land four or five unanswered blows. I've seen way worse stoppages, like way worse stoppages. A couple weeks before that, I can't remember the fighters, but God, I thought it was one of the worst stoppages, of the light stoppages I've ever seen. This guy took about, it had to have been 20 unanswered blows. It was horrible. Painful well, I mean, a lot of people are immediately comparing this to what happened uh, to, oh my gosh, uh crap keep keep uh, actually keep talking keep talking i gotta i gotta yeah but the idea is is this like you know herb dean whatever you're gonna say Uh, jose Jose aldo the most recent fight where he just he got absolutely tenderized before the ref yeah but again that you you talk about jose aldo yeah that that might have been the fight that was the fight i was talking about they should have stopped that fight way sooner jose aldo just got destroyed yeah it's sad because it's jose aldo so you want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's this great champion. But I mean, like that's exactly the fight I was talking about. Jose was was you, you you there's a certain point when you you have to do the guy a favor. Cause Jose Aldo's way too proud to quit, right? But as a referee, you have to be, but he also was like, please stop this. You could just see everything in his body language was just screaming, please do your job and stop this fight. So I don't have to show weakness i don't have to i don't have to relent my my championship heart and show weakness now this this fight was nowhere near the same now in 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 hardy's like uh not defense but sort of uh, explaining some other dimension to the uh the incident in question uh the the fighter uh herbert was actually his teammate so that there was a lot of personal feelings involved with that but still though I mean, two things, and I'll just yeah. be perfectly blunt with you in this. Like, you're a commentator. Your, your job isn't to get involved. If, even if one of your fighters is fighting, you you save that shit for after. You, you take a deep breath. You be a professional, and that's number one. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, as someone that's in you know been involved with professional broadcasting before, like yourself, like you have to understand that. You just can't let your emotions get the better of you. And I believe that's exactly the conversation that Dana White had with him. And I saw a tweet that Dana White released about the occasion. I'm imagining it had something that, that said about that. So like, you know, you gotta let that slide. You can't you can't get involved. The guy didn't get hurt. Everything's cool. Um but also man like dude Herb Dean is arguably the greatest referee of all time. You know what I mean? It particularly fighting training, you know, 
ref and matches right now. Like they're, you're I the mean, next next to like next to like Big John McCarthy, yeah. who was instrumental yeah. in creating the rules for right, MMA. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Herb Dean is the gold standard. He's the one that everyone and I, you know. Does he make bad calls? Of course he does. Does he make questionable calls? Of course he does. But it's not easy, and he's the first one to say that. He had a great interview on uh, Joe Rogan where he talked about that after the Ben Askren fight with, uh, with Robbie Lawler with the bad call. And he's like, look, man, like people come up to me all the time, and they tell me make bad calls. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, dude, I do. There's nothing I can do about it. But that's part of the game. He doesn't even let it bother him. He says he doesn't even, doesn't even like make an imprint on his mind because you know, first and foremost, it's your job to protect the fighter, but it's also your job to 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 make sure the fighter is still in it. You I know, think it, a big thing with Hardy, it's is it seemed he was attacking this issue from as the from the point of view of I'm a fighter, like right. I know what's I'm I've been in that yeah. ring, and I think he he must have forgotten or been unaware of the fact that Herb Dean himself was an MMA fighter for a long time. Like even he had more a, than that, that's a stupid. That's a stupid. I know, I know. I'm just Herb I'm, Dean's. I heard. I guarantee you, Herb Dean's watched more fights up close than, than Darren Hardy has from day one. So, like, we yeah. can't we can't make that a fuck conversation. There is always that that itch though of like the ref is the the third man in the ring, you know, but he is not taking punishment, you know, and no. so Hardy is someone that's taken a lot of punishment over his career and had an, a a lot of success. He's widely regarded as a as an expert in the field and, and everyone respects his opinion on stuff like this. He, I, I can't speak for him at all. I, I, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm actually going to try and reach out to him to see if we can get him on the show, because I think it's a big issue that we need to talk about that. He, he feels that could be number 50. I, he, there, <laughs> Hey, Hey, if we, if we can rush it, yeah. if we can rush that job, um, I think he might feel a, a kinship with the people in the cage, you know, as he's commentating, he he's also been a fighter, you know, and I feel like that, uh, aside from the fact that this is also his teammate we're talking about that, that might've affected his level of passion and the way he went about his discourse with Hardy, you know, and uh, I, I'm not going to show the video just cause everyone's seen it, but like, yeah, I think it's important to realize that I, I think it's important to state that I do not believe Hardy's acting as I want to make this about me. I don't think he's trying to just gain attention for himself in any way. I think he's coming at this as a guy who's concerned, you know, this isn't like Conor McGregor, when his buddy wins, he's so happy he jumps in the cage and ends up fighting the ref. You know, it's not like some guy's trying to puff his chest out. No, it's it's not, but it's still close. It's incredible. It's close. It, it's, it's unprofessional a, to, to chastise someone. Who's it's very. It was a very unprofessional. It wasn't, it wasn't right to do that. It right. was a very unprofessional thing. But I can get if someone I cared about, I saw him got dropped, yeah. and I know him. I've trained with him, and I know what it's like when he's dropped, and I know he's dropped, and the fight is still going on. I get that my brain would be overwired by my heart. You well, know. yeah, I think watching that and watching that, particularly just seeing the clip of it now, I'm glad I didn't spend time to go back and watch it again because I would have been pissed because I'm like, what are we bitching about this? I think if watching that, if uh, Dan Hardy doesn't make the reaction or doesn't have the reaction that he has, it's a complete non-issue. No one talks about it because it wasn't even that bad. It, it, it Watching it now, I was like, wow, this is what everybody's pissed off about? That's That was nothing. You knocked a guy out. The guy looked up, put his leg up. He ate two punches more. And then Herb was right on top of it to stop the action. It wasn't like he let him get pummeled. It was pretty weird. I, as someone that hasn't gotten 
like punched in the face a ton. Every time I have, it's it's reminded me that this is why I do jujitsu in the gi and I don't want to get punched. It's not <laughs> it's not for me, homie. Nothing it's not for me. Like it. It's just not for me. I feel like I I am unable, I feel unequipped to really super comment on it. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it as a guy who's done jujitsu, but also had a big boxing background. You're you're familiar with what that kind of damage feels like how to react to it. It didn't it didn't appear to me to be the type of knockout that Dan Hardy was talking about. The type of knockout where a person goes limp, their entire body like falters down and they go low. Like perfect example of that is watching the oh god, Dominic Cruz Cejudo fight. When Cejudo caught cracked Dominic Cruz and he went limp and fell on the ground in my opinion if it's not Dominic Cruz, they could have stopped that fight. And I think it was, I think it was actually Herb Dean that was refing that match too. So if, you know, I believe that that fight could have been stopped right after that crack, but they allowed him to take a few more shots. And then of course they, you know, freaking uh, Dominic Cruz gets mad and says it was an early stoppage. But in reality, like when he got clipped, his whole body would limp. That's not what we see in this this last fight. The, the guy gets clipped. He kind of falls to the ground, but he's still under control. Yeah, he's covering his face, but it wasn't like it was uh, covering his face and saying, stop, stop, stop. I got a broken nose or a broken orbital bone or whatever. So, anyway. Yeah, I think the last big uh, controversial stoppage in that realm that that reached the same level of fever pitch was probably Cejudo Dillashaw you know that was a big thing that a lot of people had a lot of fierce opinions about Dillashaw was very openly pissed maybe even more so than Cruz is currently about his loss to Cejudo but that was a big one that was a huge one and I feel like a lot of people and they I was watching it and everyone the, the I think the most people agreed that it was stopped appropriately because he ate so many quick shots to the body, the face. He was just getting lit up, and he was saying, I was going on a single leg, and I'm like, I'm not going to – like, Mr. Dillashaw, I'm not going to tell you what you're, you're, you were doing because you could kill me, and it's just I have <laughs> a lot to live for right now. But I think your brain thought you were going in on yeah. a single leg. I'm sure yeah, yeah. in your brain, Nobody, you were you were winning the everyone, fight. You, everyone you, thinks you, they're fine until they show the replay. Oh, you were fine. Well, cool. Let's watch the replay <laughs> when when your entire body collapsed on top of yourself and your eyeballs roll back in your head and you were pawing in the air at absolutely nothing. And, and tell me what what was going through your mind right then? Oh, you don't remember? Oh, that's weird. I, I also I also kind of want to – there was this interview where he was like, I was going in on the single, and I'm like, okay, going to fully disengage. But, yeah, TJ, you were going to get a single on Olympic yeah, right. gold yeah. medalist yeah, exactly. in wrestling. That was your first mistake. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, man. okay. Yeah. You, so, you want to talk a little bit about Cyborg? I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about Cyborg. I might, I might write an article about that big fucker. Just because he is, man. I twenty twenty is Cyborg's year. year. He's getting getting wins back on. Gets uh, better and better. Nicky Rod. He's got. He he beat Nicky Rod. Winning everything. He beat. He won the third coast grappling Kumite. Uh, What did he just win? Beat Lucas Barbosa. Yeah. And when we had Ryan on, he even he didn't have Cyborg winning that. He's he was like, Menez is going to take it. Maybe Barbosa. Yeah. Cyborg is just God. He just he's just the undying force of jujitsu these days. Like he is just 
he has been on top of the game for so long and just continues to impress with his ability to win. And he keeps winning these matches where, like, you almost think, of, oh, yeah, and Cyborg's in there, too. You don't even, like, like in the third quarter, grab out, oh, Cyborg's there. And then all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit. Cyborg's well, yeah, in the finals. Another, another one was he just, his match against Lovato, Lovato yeah. Jr., yeah. where it's like, okay, I this is a close one. He he looked really good. I mean, you could argue that Lovato was more active on the attacks from the bottom, but he was hitting the foot sweep. He was dominant from the top. He was aggressively trying to pass the guard. He looked strong, good, like technically sound. Yeah, like, you know, and he he plays that very old school Brazilian game and kind of like stays inside of his game and you know stays smart and plays positional stuff. And if the submission appears, it appears. But like. He does it really well, and he keeps cranking out wins doing it. So you can say whatever you want to say about it, but it's effective for him. And, man, dude, like I watched a clip with him against uh, Nick Rodriguez, another friend of the show. That's another possible number 50 episode. Get going there, just FYI. Um, I watched a match with him against Nick, against Nick Rodriguez on a, on a third coast grappling or Kasai. I can't remember what it was a little while ago. And, like, that dude, Cyborg moves – God, he moves around like he weighs like 140 pounds. Like it's amazing to watch him the way he rolls and inverts and comes back to position. He keeps his feet to hips off of the off of the roll throughs and come ups for comes up for double legs off of it. Like it's as someone that knows how difficult it is to move around like that. And then when you see Cyborg in person, like he looks like a fucking he looks like the Incredible Hulk. It's amazing to watch him compete and see him be able to move around as effortlessly in his in his uh fluidly as he does like a ballerina i mean he's he's an inspired like I, I think in his most recent match someone asked him what keeps him what, what keeps you going and he just responded jujitsu yeah like yeah that's it that's uh no, that's all i got under the he tank he's winning you know what i mean like it's the same thing with wagner like what keeps wagner going i keep getting paid i keep winning i keep showing up i keep winning i keep getting paid like that's that's what keeps him going, you know. That's shit. It's easy as that. Yeah. I think there's also a desire, like there's an inclination among the. There's so many strong, young, dominant grapplers. Like the most dominant grapplers in the world are like like the f- number one's American, you know. And then we got Keenan. We got we're filling out the the top tens, and you know Brazil is definitely still. Uh, the motherland, but you, you've also got new, new Brazilians, like an, an entire new generation across the globe. Even, even Freddie, Freddie V that we had on, he's a young guy in the grand yeah. scheme of things. All these young dudes coming up, there's this desire to sort of say, okay, like you guys have had your time, you know, you old generation, you, you we're here now. Uh, Cyborg is not going fucking anywhere. Cyborg ain't going nowhere, man. Yeah, and like <laughs> I think maybe at the heavy heavyweights tend to age better. Like they they tend to be they're in, in all aspects. Guys that are that two twenty two thirty up, like they they tend to to their longevity tends to last a little bit longer for some reason, just because they're so big and their games are based upon more size and less explosiveness. But goddamn, like he he shot a double leg on Barbosa. Last night I saw a clip of it on uh, on Instagram, and dude, it was amazing. It was like fucking like a blast double leg on uh, an athletic kid. Dude, it's a super athlete, 
that's at you know twenty five years old in the prime of his life and blasted a dub, blast double A on this kid and almost took him down. It was pretty freaking impressive to see. I mean, it's, that's Cyborg. It's, he's forty years old now. I think. Uh, hang on. Actually, I want to know. I think he's forty. I think he's got to be forty by now. He was thirty eight a while ago. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah. So he's 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 knocking on forty. He's going to be 40, 40 in December. That's incredible, man. Like he, guys like him, just they blow my mind. Yeah, I mean, I I'm in awe of it too because I again, as someone that's forty three years old and understands how difficult it is to get out there and try to hang with these young guys, like to see someone be able to go out there and maintain that explosive nature to the game at such an advanced age is that's impressive, man. Because you just don't you don't have it anymore. Like people don't realize, like you take for granted how athletic and how powerful and strong and how you can just dig deep for those powerful freaking explosions whenever you feel like having them when you're 24 and 25 because when you're 35 and 38 and 40 42 like you don't have those anymore you have to be smarter you have to you have them but you don't have them as as much you have to kind of like pick your pick your shots a little bit better but um you know, Cyborg's impressive, man. Like I, I, I give him my thumbs up. I'd love to get him on. I might, I might try to see what I can do about getting. Cyborg I mean, you're, you're closer, British, you're closest to him, man. Like go, go. That drive, would be, a, that would be a great, <laughs> that would be a great fifty. Drive down, beat, beat the crap out of Tech, and then earn the right to ask Cyborg my, to come my, on. My, my, my buddy from the Fighters Choice guys, he, he keeps wanting me to do it, but he pissed me off. I don't know if I want to fucking go down there and kiss his ass. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. I, you know, I have some connections with the Fight Sports guys, Wagner, Leslie, but I'm, dude, I'm banged up. Like I just can't. My knee's still jacked. My ribs jacked up. I yeah. I'm not really in a big shape. I want to go down there and train with those guys, but I'm not in shape. I would, it would be pathetic. So I finally got I finally got around to seeing your your video with with uh, Roddy Doctor. Oh yeah, re- yes, they reposted that. The, the Jitsi Times did. Man, we got to get him back too. That's yeah, like back on again. mainly just because because of him, I've become infected. Like I'm damaged goods because now I'll I'll just find myself watching judo highlight reels, and like I'm like shit. Am I gonna start doing judo now? Am I gonna <laughs> get even more jacked up? Is my, is, are my joints gonna be even? Oh, judo, judo is rough on the body. Judo is so rough on the body, but it looks so cool. <laughs> it does. It, it does. Looks if, so I, cool. if I was your age, I would consider doing judo, but I'm too old, man. I I, I got I get thrown on the ground. I don't break fall on my ass. There ain't no break fall no more. My body just goes uh uh. I'm not getting back up. Yeah, man. I I don't know. I might have to I might have to text him and be like, "Hey, man, take whatever you spell you cast on me. Undo it, man. I want to pull guard and and play play guard." Well, now, well, now Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, I can help you do that. <laughs> but you see, no, no, now, 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 now. Listen here, now. <laughs> now listen here, now. I walked in the gym cold one day. I walked in the gym cold. I front squatted 495. 495. 495. Cold off the street. There is not a man alive who would touch Daniel Cormier in his prime. <laughs> oh, we got to love some. Oh, right we love you. We we're love due, you we're due for another Roddy. Yeah, no. So let's get him back on again. Yeah, but oh, man. Okay, so I feel like that's a, yeah, that's a good place to call. We talked about uh, referees. We talked about Buchecha. We talked about Cyborg being immortal and he's going to outlive us all. And I th- once again, you know, we we're we're about to be 50 in. 
50 episodes into this journey with, with you hey, guys. Man, it's definitely a thing. We, we're, we're <laughs> talking them out. We might get – maybe we get Flavio back. Just be like, hey, man, please. <laughs> <laughs> He'd do it. He'll do yeah. it. We'll put our – well, I'll, I'll – I'll, uh... I'll put my feelers out there and get us a good guest for 50. Hell yeah. Well, and again, to any listeners that, uh, if any suggestions you have, feel free to, to hit me up on Instagram. My DMS are open. We're always looking for any kind of feedback that you guys have. My handles actually right here next to my name. Uh, I'll tag Kevin. I'll tag, I'll tag yours down below so that uh, people can reach out to both of us. If you have any questions or ideas going forward, want to be a guest on the show or have any guests you'd like. Well, not, we're not opening up to that. We're not opening (laughs) up to that. (laughs) A lot of crazy stuff happens, but we are going to try going forward to be more in communication with you guys. We're going to try and do some more like live stuff going forward, experimenting with that. Cause I feel like we're at the place now where we can start opening the gates to see what kind of live commentary we can get from an audience. But yeah, for, for, for real, from the, the bottom of both of our hearts and the, the hearts of everyone, you know, that you don't see on camera working behind the scenes on the website, all our contributing <laughs> yes. writers, you know, kit, Avery, Cam, Everybody, uh, it means the world that you guys uh, stick around to listen to us bullshit for a little while. <laughs> talk about talk. It's 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 fun for me to be able to talk about the thing I love and actually feel like people listen to me. So that's pretty cool. I mean, especially now with the world the way it is, you know, doing this show, it's like it's definitely become a form of therapy for me. You know, like oh, it's right, just dude. you get to turn your brain off and think about this thing that you love and maybe out like reach out to some people. And you know, I love the fact that we've we we've gotten some really big names on the show, but we're also big on getting like younger talent out there, like uh, Mona Bailey. We just had on the last one. You know, Chase up and comers in the UFC, like Chase Hooper and Billy Q. Uh, so we're we're never gonna just pigeonhole ourselves to the the big the bigs of the big, you know. But so we're going to try and talk to everybody and you don't even, we're going to try and talk to people that aren't necessarily huge competitors. We've had fantasy authors on the show for Christ's sake. You know, we're, we're just, we're throwing the gamut. We've had like doctors and and health wizards on the show, you know, veterans, you know, it's, it's we're we're giving you what you need to hear. It's not just a jujitsu show and we've got, we've got more to offer. Ignore, ignore what's behind me. Yeah. It's not just, but yeah. So uh, signing off right before our, our 50th episode. Uh, this is your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And we'll see you at 50. We'll see you at 50, guys. Take it see easy. See you at 50. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>